Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. This Bike Life podcast is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Whether you're shipping for a trip or after a sale, whatever your shipping needs, Bike Flights makes it easy. Take advantage of Bike Flights convenient residential pickups and they'll come and get your shipment directly from your home or wherever you're staying. Visit BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Now on to the show. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Bike Life. Today's going to be amazing. I know you're going to love hearing from our guest, who is the lead planner on the Great American Rail Trail. So help me welcome Kevin Bellinger. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited because not only are you a cyclist, but you are a part of such a big initiative happening in the United States that I know people are going to love to hear more about the Great American Rail Trail and what it's all about. Yeah, let me tell you. So yeah. the, a flagship project of the Rails to Trails Conservancy. So if you've heard of us, we've been around since 1986 with the mission to convert former railroad lines into walking and biking trails when they're no longer in service, trying to keep them in the public right of way so that they can still be used for different purposes. So over time, we've seen trails forming all around the country. We have tens of thousands of miles of trail right now, multi-use trail, which is really awesome. But we kind of saw a trail forming itself across the country over the first couple of decades of our existence. And there's a big pie in the sky idea like, oh, could we really like be parking mm. a trail across the country? No, that couldn't happen, right? Oh, maybe it can happen. So we had a map on the wall. We would put a little pin in the map every time a new trail would come on. And we noticed the trail was kind of forming itself. So over time, we wanted to jump into this and put our weight behind it as, as, an, or as the country's um, biggest trail advocacy organization. But we wanted to make sure the trail was over 50% complete on its own before we jumped in um, so that it really like, was a vision that people could get behind. So roughly five years ago, we did another analysis and realized we were at like 50 to 52% complete on a few routes. So it's been a lot of fun. I've been on the planning aspect. So I've done a lot of the GIS mapping, talked to hundreds of people around the country, different trail planners, state officials, advocates, just trail users. Um, I've gotten a visit almost all the states. So it goes between Washington, D.C. and Washington State. Spent a lot of time on the ground, a lot of field work, which has been the best part of this job for sure, getting to go mm. out on the ground and talk to people. I haven't biked these trails as much as I want to, but I'm going to do that in the next <laughs> goal is to do the thing. Um, yeah, that's where we're at. So it's interesting because when you're referring to rails, I just want to talk about that a bit. You're talking about old train rails that are no longer in use. Correct. And I mean, do trains even still operate in the U.S.? I mean, we see trains, so we know they do, but not nearly to the capacity that the railways were all built for. Yeah, we had 
I don't even, I couldn't even guess how many thousands of miles of rail corridor that we had at the, the peak of the rail um, movement, I guess. But yeah, a lot of those have become abandoned over time. But we still absolutely have a rail sector. I, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say passenger rail should be more of a thing in the US, but it's just not worked for various reasons, although hopefully it changes. But there's still a lot of freight rail as well. Um, one aspect of this project is that we call it the Great American Rail Trail because we want it to have a rail trail feel, which is relatively flat so that more, the most amount of people can use it and relatively wide and that it goes through small communities um, for kind of economic development aspects that we can talk more about later. But um, we recognize across the country it's not going to be able to be entirely a rail cord, a, a rail trail as we say it because there was mm. a rail line that, that went across and abandoned so perfectly and elegantly to build it into a trail. So especially out east, we've got a lot of corridor that is rail corridor. Out west, we've got a specific opportunity and challenge that there just weren't that many, and a lot of them are still active with coal and other freight resources going through the west. So we have the opportunity to be creative about what other linear corridors could this route follow. Um, highways, canals, utility corridors, things we haven't even thought about yet. So yeah, the route itself is 53% complete, which means there's just over 2,000 miles of completed trail across the country. We've got about 1,700 more to, miles to build, and we're working on that with all of our local partners on the ground. So let's talk a little bit about the partnerships that you have built in order to make this 53% possible, because that that's that's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing, and I'm sure that it's a big collaboration, especially at the city and state levels. Because I can imagine that if there's a lot of trails that are or of rails that aren't being used, these old railways, that this the cities and states want something to be done with them. They want to see them repurposed for good use. Yeah, often that is absolutely the case and people will come to us. We've thankfully built a name that people will say, hey, we have this rail line, let's talk to Rails to Trails Conservancy and we help with technical assistance and all. But it is, um, it's not always easy. It takes, takes time. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. People will come to us with an idea and expect it to be done in the next year and that's just not a thing that happens. <laughs> Uh, I was just doing a study today in eastern Ohio where I looked at a corridor that had been built and they started working on it in like 1989 and the first miles of trail didn't get built until 2002. So it's mm. always take 13 years to get miles on the ground, but it can sometimes. So rail trails are absolutely playing the long game and that is why it's so important to have local advocates on the ground doing this work it won't happen otherwise. It can't happen on a national scale. Every one of these projects happens on a local scale. And what we're doing is trying to bring together a vision to connect all of these local projects that hopefully makes it easier for people to build those gaps. You can tell your politicians, your uh, commissioners, your local philanthropic lenders and donors that, hey, if we build this 10 miles in rural Montana, it'll connect these two communities, which is great. But then it also can connect across the country. And that really sparks a vision in people's heads. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you find, do you have, do you find local organizations to work with outside of the city governments? 
Or do you have representation in certain areas along the way? So Rails to Trails themselves is active in each sort of, I don't even want to say small community because that wouldn't be possible, but maybe by state? Yes and no. We are lucky that there are so many advocacy groups that have popped up on either specifically for a, a trail, friends of a trail group, and that that's mm. a lot of the maintenance and checking in on the trails. But then there's regional groups and there's state groups. I'm, I can think of several off the top of my head that we chat with every month or two um, to learn about that. But yeah, we don't have people on the ground everywhere just yet, unfortunately. We are still expanding our capacity in this project. But what we do is really rely on all of our awesome local partners to keep us updated and we do everything we can to support them. So let's talk a little bit about that. What kind of support can you give? Is are you do you guys mainly look at the national funding pieces or you know how how does that operate? That is a major aspect of what we do. We have a great policy team here. Um, and we're located in Washington DC for a reason because we know that federal funding is so important to these kind of projects. So we've been instrumental in making sure that the recreational trails program through the um, transportation, um, the recreational trails program gets funded at the national level and also transportation alternatives. Those are the two major sources of federal funding that get brought down through the states. We also have a bill in Congress right now called Connecting America's Active Transportation System Act. Cats, I got it right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a mouthful, but it's awesome because it would put millions of dollars into a new fund to connect projects just like this. Networks and spines is what we had been calling it internally, but connecting these kind of regional networks that we know more people use trails when trails are connected to each other. So it's, it's nice to have a one-off trail here and there, but if you have a regional vision for a network, more people use it. So we want to funnel resources into network building and then spines is long distance trails like the Great American Rail Trail and such that um, could take people longer distances. So that's the major thing that we provide support on is funding, but also we can we provide support on planning. So we have a few catalyst initiatives, we call it, for the Great American Rail Trail. We've picked roughly one project in each state that we feel like would be catalytic for the Great American Rail Trail to be built in that region. It would help make more trails possible because this project is completed. So we are putting our planning, policy, fundraising, and communication support behind that, those as well. Um, just yesterday, I was on a call with some folks in the Nebraska project, which connects Lincoln to Omaha. There's one last about 12-mile connection between those two major metropolitan regions in Nebraska that would help close that gap and help people realize just how important it is to connect outside of that then as well. Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment, and you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every Bike Flights shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. 
You also host um, the trail online, right? So people are trails online. So people have access to what is being built out. And, and there's lots of different mapping services. But let's talk a little bit about Rails to Trails mapping and how people can access that. Because I know that you're doing a lot of the work at the high end, but you're also you're also tracking it and making it available to the public, which I think is super important. Yeah, thank you for that. Good plug there. Um, we have a website called traillink.com. It's also an app that you can get on your phone. And we, that's where we map all the trails that we know of, multi-use trails that uh, fit those kind of criteria. So you go in there, you can search for your region, you can search wherever you want to go and see what kind of trails exist. Um, I use it all the time myself, so I'm, I'm a fan. But that, And we learn about new trails all the time, trails that existed that we didn't know about, trails that just get built. We add hundreds of miles every year to this network. And the especially during the pandemic, we saw so much more use of that. I think we hit, gosh, like 10 million views or something in the last year because of more people wanting to go outside and see what trails are in their own backyard. Um, so that's a, a good service we offer as well. So check out traillink.com. Yes, we'll also put that in the show notes. I do think it's a really great feature. I use it as well. Um, I think it's the fact that you're talking about it being multi-use. I mean, we're bike life, so we're warm showers, but we also know that a lot of people use the trails that you're referring to for other purposes other than just you know, doing bike touring. And so that leads me to my next question, which is, are you able to create any type of tracking system to how many people are using the trails? Good question. Not yet. I mean, each... Several individual trails have their own um, bike counting systems, and we have access to a lot of those online. Um, but in terms of like a cross-country use yet, we haven't figured out quite how to track that. We just launched in 2019. So the first year of anybody really wanting to go out and follow this route was unfortunately the first year of the pandemic. So we didn't have a lot mm. last year. I'm tracking roughly 12 groups of people who are currently doing it this summer. We're recording now in July, in June 2021, and it's exciting to see the trail isn't done yet, but people have been absolutely in our inboxes and calling us like, I want to do this. How do I do this? Um, and you're going to have to bike a lot of on-road to complete this if you want to do cross-country now. But there's also several sections that are 100, 200 miles completed that you could go out and do that in the interim if you're not ready to, to make your own uh, journey connecting on streets. I did last summer myself, the Pittsburgh to DC section, which I'm sure a lot of people talk about here, which is the Great Allegheny Passage and the CNO Canal. And that was just eye-opening for me. I had never done that long of a bike tour. It was six days and I, I totally have the bug now and can't wait to go do more myself. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So. How what got you involved in the organization? Like how, you know, where where's your story come into this amazing project that you work on? Yeah, I'm a I'm a trail nerd. It's it's certifiable. It happens. <laughs> um, I biked a lot as a kid, and I thought I was always going to do like be like a park ranger, live outside, do that kind of life. But um, I did it for a year outside of Aspen at the Aspen Center for Environmental Studies. I was a guided nature tour. Um, naturalist in a ghost town. I lived in a cabin with no water or electricity for a summer. It was awesome at, at like 11,000 feet. It was so cool. I'm from Maryland and Massachusetts myself. So it was like really cool to do that. I was like, oh yeah, I don't really want to live outside forever. <laughs> so I ended up going to graduate school at the University of Oregon and studied transportation planning and focused my thesis on walking and biking in suburban multifamily housing. 
very sexy topic. Amazing. It guided me towards <laughs> this. I, I had a few jobs on my way here. And when this trail planner position opened at Rails to Trails, I was like, yeah, this is this is my job. <laughs> yeah. To do that. You found your place. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So tell us a little bit about what you expect the next couple of years to be like and the work that you're doing, knowing that you know these projects take time, right? 53% of the trail done. That's that's a lot of um, <laughs> of trails to still either be built or identified or connected. You know, what what is that gonna look like, let's say, in the next couple of years? What can people expect? Yeah, so we're tracking over time new projects that come on. So every year we have statewide meetings where we gather all of our partners and be like, hey, what are you working on this year? What can we do mm-hmm. promote? What can we help you talk about publicly? And just if you go to our website, greatamericanrailtrail.org, you can see the map we have of existing projects. And then there are red lines on there that show planned trails. And those are lines on maps that are publicly available through each um, jurisdiction. And we're tracking at least, gosh, a hundred plus in the next couple of years that'll be completed, um, which is awesome. We get new trail almost every few weeks. We learn about a half mile here, two miles there. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a lot, but it starts to add up, especially as you're expanding existing trails east and west into rural areas, connecting the next town over is 15 miles. But if you get another two miles closer to it, that town then starts to see how real it can be for them to connect to this other town. And what does that mean for tourism and just going on a 15 mile ride, getting dinner and coming back, you know, like that kind of a scale. We're looking at the big scale, but this project is also mostly going to be used at the local level. I mean, people are awesome and are going to go across the country and I can't wait to be one of them myself, but most people are just the, the families, the, the weekend riders who are going to be using this. So we have to make sure to focus on them too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, it's still just as valuable and meaningful even if your trip is an hour or Absolutely. sometimes I'm lucky to get 10 miles in on a day that I'm busy and podcasting, you know, like getting out on my bike even for a short day trip is just, it just changes the whole perspective. So yes, that makes a lot of sense. And so what is it, I mean, this might sound like a very basic question, but when you have say a half a mile where two trails don't connect, do you actually... Or do the locals actually like build out the trail, meaning like move shrubs, like, you know, create actual landscape changes to connect the trails? Like, is that what happens or do they look for natural um, breaks within nature to connect the trails? Not quite sure I understand the question. Forgive me. Like I'm, I'm thinking about do the trails have to be actually created? So if you're looking to connect two trails that maybe are half a mile or a mile apart, would that trail be like dug out of the ground and like put um, stones on it or pave it or, you know, put down something else? Or do they look for natural ways that the earth moves that they can connect? Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's always preferable is, is finding the path of least resistance, right? Not like forcing your way through things. So, which is why rail corridors have always provided that context for us, because that was a natural corridor that someone, it's not a natural corridor, but it's a corridor that has already been disturbed. So we, mm-hmm. those generally it's already been excavated to some capacity, but when those don't exist, that's finding whatever other linear corridors that we can use. That's perhaps building a trail adjacent to a highway that's separated from it. It might not be the most attractive, but it's better than, in our opinion, better than biking on the road. And it's not that long of a distance where 
um, it's okay to be separated for, for that amount of time. Um, but yeah, I like the way you think about like how the, the earth can guide this kind of trail to you. Yeah, because I wonder, you know, I'm I'm always conscious of not disrupting, you know, our natural environment as much as possible, and and yet sometimes we need to to create space for us to maneuver through it. Um, but I was just wondering. I'm thinking, oh, like in Colorado, for example, where I reside, there's a lot of um, river creeks that are dried up, right? And there there's not a lot of vegetation in them, and they have like a maybe a curvy <laughs> natural flow and a lot of rocks in it. But with a little bit of maintenance, they would make really good. Um, trails especially as we get out west we certainly don't want to um disrupt the natural features but there are fewer miles wyoming if you look at our map we've got a while to go on there so we have to get really creative so in fact i was just chatting with someone yesterday about irrigation canals that exist in some of these more um Mm. and that's a linear corridor that exists though it is obviously water rights are such a, a touchy issue out west how can those two things work together that we're not disturbing the natural environment any more than it needs to be, but we're also taking advantage of what someone has already done to create this linear corridor? And that, that's where I feel like the next step, once we get more of these rail trail miles, a lot of the easier quote unquote miles have been done. So now it's like, what do we, how do we push this forward with, with creativity? I see. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so now you might be engaging with local communities and environmentalists that might have other suggestions or ways to create less impact to the environment and still make a trail available because we still want people to access and utilize nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Well, Kevin, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) I really invite anyone who, if you haven't planned your tour yet, or you're looking for a place to visit in the United States to go check out traillink.com or go to greatamericanrailtrail.org, you said, and we'll have those in the, in the show notes and have a look at what they're doing, you know, check it out and see there is definitely going to be something there for everyone. And Kevin, please keep us posted as you continue to build out and connect these trails. And we would love to, you know, continue to let our community know that this is available so we can support you. Yeah, and thank you so much for having us. I think, feel like Warm Showers community is also just such a welcoming place that I feel like folks across this trail, if they're not already being inundated with requests for people to stay with them, I feel like that's going to come and hopefully it's a, a synergistic relationship for that. Yeah, and I do I do love the idea. If anybody that's listening, if you either live on one of the trails, on the uh, Great American Rail Trail, if you live on one of the trails and you would like a feature or a shout out in the newsletter, um, you know, with the show, please let us know. Or if you have ridden a chunk of the trail and want to share your story to reach out to us and maybe, Kevin, we can do a couple of interviews with people that reach out to us. I would love that. I would love to know more folks on the ground and what their experiences with someone who's traveling across the country or along the section is. I love it. So we're officially putting the call out. <laughs> Please. Yeah. We'd love to know. Re- reach out to us. My email address for anyone who doesn't know is my first name. It's Taverly at warmshowers.org. And it's a complicated name. So we'll just put it in the show notes so you don't have to spell it out or write it down. But reach out to us and let us know. And we would be happy to come on and talk a little bit more about this amazing, amazing project that continues to unfold. All right, Kevin, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And if you love this show, 
Do us a favor and share it with somebody that you think might enjoy learning a little bit more about the trails and the bike touring community all over the world. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. This episode of Bike Life Podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Check out their boxes from the small to the large, which is suited for any type of bicycle, whether it's a children's bike, medium-sized bike, fully assembled bike, e-bike, and any other type of gear that you have. Go to BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers in order to check out the boxes and book your next shipment. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.